Let us now begin our four-part Advent series. Today is the first of this four-part series entitled, Sing a New Song to the Lord. Today we're beginning with Mary's song. And this Advent series tracks four songs in the book of Luke. So begin, beginning with Mary's song in Luke 146, please turn there now. We're going to track these songs that God has elicited in the heart's of his people at the coming of his son. We want to celebrate the Lord Jesus coming as we sing together his song. We want to celebrate his coming as we sing together his song. So as I said, the first song we're going to sing and we're going to read about is Mary's song, what's called the Magnificat. That's Latin for magnifies. And it's her words at the beginning of the song when she says, my soul magnifies in Latin, magnificat the Lord. Next Sunday, Jim Britt will be preaching from Zechariah's song. Zechariah's song, which is found in Luke 1, 67 to 79. Zechariah being John the Baptist's father. And it's the song that Zechariah sang at John's birth. And it's commonly known in the church as the Benedictus, or the Latin for blessed be. John's words to God, blessed be the Lord who's given me a son. Then on December 21st, two weeks from today, I will come back and preach Simeon's song, known in the church as the Nunc Dimittis, which is Latin for now master. And Simeon was an older Jewish man in the temple, and God directed Jesus' parents with the baby Jesus to him. And he held the baby Jesus in his arms, and he looked up and he said, now master, I can now die and go be with you, for I've seen the promised one, the Messiah. And Simeon's song will be preached on the 21st. And then the fourth in our series, I will preach on Christmas Eve. And it's the heavenly host song, Gloria in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. And it's the song that surprised the shepherds on a quiet hillside, quiet no more, when the heavens were rolled back and the heavenly host burst into song and blew them away, literally announcing the coming of Jesus Christ. Please consider inviting your family and your friends to this series. Bring them next week. Bring them on Christmas Eve as we sing a new song to the Lord, church. A song that speaks of his mercy. So let's turn now and let's listen or rather read Mary's song. But as we're reading Mary's song in Luke 1, 46 to 56, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine a teenager, a pregnant teenager, probably no more than 16. Some scholars say she may have been as young as 13. Having received the words of God just before singing the song, and then she launches into a song because this is a song in Luke 1, 46 to 56. It's a song of praise to her God and her Savior. And let's read now these words together. And may God give us ears to hear his word, church. And that his word would create in us our own song, a new song to the Lord. So let's read it together, shall we? Luke 1, 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. 
And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembering his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to their home. Lord, I pray your anointing upon my words. I pray your anointing upon the ears of those who hear. Build your church now. Father, through the preaching of your word, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I took Desi out dancing last Tuesday night. Actually, Desi took me out dancing. She found this great deal online, 10 dance lessons at a great discount. And so last Tuesday night was our first lesson. Arriving a bit early, we kind of walked around this open, beautiful open outdoor shopping center. And as we walked around, I noticed the coolest, brightest, most modern neon signs flashing over each establishment, a barbershop, a weight loss center a formal wear boutique, a bank. The signs were there to announce the presence of these businesses, in a sense, to draw attention to them. And Mary's song, here in Luke 1, 46-56, is designed to draw attention to, to announce the mercy of God in sending a Savior. Her song is here to magnify the Lord, magnificat. It's like a, a giant neon sign in history, flashing, And saying, here is the mercy of God. Here is the promise of God fulfilled. Now here's a question I have for you. Do you know why Mary magnified the Lord with her song as she did? Well, the answer, or should I say the backstory to this song, is found earlier in Luke 1. Actually, Luke 1, 26 on the screen through 38. This is now giving us the backstory of what led Mary to sing her song, Magnifying the Lord. In the sixth month, that would be the sixth month of Elizabeth, Mary's cousin's pregnancy. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, Mary was, in a sense, married. Back then, betrothed meant married, but you still could not be intimate yet. So it wasn't like she was a single mom here. It wasn't like she was an unwed mother. No, she was married, but they weren't allowed yet to be intimate. She was betrothed to Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he, Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. Anytime an angel shows up, people are immediately very afraid. Mary is no different. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Modern text, she freaked out and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, and this tells you she was afraid, do not be afraid, Mary. Typically, that's the first thing an angel will say. Because people are hyperventilating, their heart has stopped breathing, you know, they've hit the ground. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And listen, this is not unique to Mary. This is God declaring to us all, I am choosing to give favor to those who do not deserve it. Here it comes. You poor, 
teenage girl betrothed to Joseph in a faraway place called Nazareth, which is in northern Israel, the place where God wasn't even hardly there. It was not in Jerusalem. It was in Nazareth. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. It's getting interesting now for Mary. Really? Okay. Verse 32. He, Jesus, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And Mary's thinking, whoa, I, I know what you're talking about now. You're talking about Messiah. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Oh, yes, this is Messiah. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. What? I'm going to have the Messiah in my womb? And of his kingdom there will be no end? Mary knew exactly what the angel was saying. <laughs> Mary, being very practical... In verse 34, ask one important question. Uh, Gabriel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Verse 35. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This will be a child conceived by the Holy Spirit in you, Mary. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, her cousin, in her old age, another miraculous birth, has also conceived a son, John the Baptist, who would be the precursor to the Messiah, as Scripture had stated, so to speak, the Elijah that would prepare the way for Messiah, John the Baptist, Mary's cousin Elizabeth is pregnant with John, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And here is where Mary is an example of faith to us all. This teenage girl, before a mighty angel, Gabriel was sent for the most important tasks. I can only imagine he was an imposing figure. Forget the unbiblical angels you see. There's no effeminate part to Gabriel at all. She says to Gabriel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She knew he was speaking the word of God. And the angel departed from her. Mary believed God and immediately, she immediately departs. No time to go through the text that says this, but she immediately departs and she makes this 100 mile trip roughly from Nazareth down to the hill country of Judea, probably right around Jerusalem. Elizabeth was married to Zechariah, who was a priest. So they probably lived close to Jerusalem so he could fulfill his priestly duties. And he, she then meets up with Elizabeth. And it was there that Mary sang her song, Magnifying the Lord, because she was a believer. She believed God. And God this morning calls us to magnify the Lord All of us who believe in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, sent from God, unlike Mary, still to be seen, He has come. We know that He lived the perfect life. We know He died a sacrificial death. We know He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And God calls us to sing a song magnifying the Lord this morning. But if you're here this morning, and you find it hard to believe these truths, perhaps you stumble right with the virgin birth. Perhaps you are not a believer. Perhaps you are one who is here and you want to believe, but you, it's, just, it's just hard to really get your arms around this. First of all, thank you for coming. 
Second of all, I pray, and then part of my prayer for this message is that God would bring you salvation, that as a result of hearing the gospel message that will proceed from this text, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, would bring life to your heart every bit as much as He brought life to Mary's womb. That there would be blessing of salvation. And that at the end of this message, dear friend, you would be able to stand with us and you would be able to sing a new song to the Lord from a new heart given life by God the Holy Spirit through His Word. I call you, I call us all this morning to, point one, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me, church. God calls us to magnify His name together this Christmas season. God calls us to sing a new song to the Lord, a song of praise to our God. Why is it a new song? Because this is a new year. It's a new Christmas. His mercies, friends, are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. So every morning we have new songs. I'm not calling you to sing the tired old song of last Christmas. I'm not calling you to sing some traditional Christmas uh, carol, however sweet and kind they are, not against them. This is something greater than that. This is greater than a warm fuzzy or watching It's a Wonderful Life. This is the new song that God calls us to sing to magnify His name. A song that magnifies the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always been fascinated with magnifying lenses, okay? Here's one right here. And a magnifying lens kind of works best when you get it at just the right place from your eye. Does my eye look kind of freaky to you? Okay? And then you kind of get it at the right distance from, up. Oh, there you go. It magnifies the text. It magnifies what I am looking at. And so Mary's song is like a magnifying lens used to focus our attention and to focus the attention of the people at that time on the truths that God was fulfilling his promise to send a Messiah to Israel to bless the nations through Abraham, through his seed. Like those neon signs shining, boom, it clicks on through Mary's song. And, and, and she begins to magnify the Lord. Her soul magnifies the Lord to focus on Jesus. Do you see it this Christmas? Do you see that God has not left us in our sin and bondage, but he has saved us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, Savior of the world? This is what Mary's song communicates. If you do, then I call you to magnify him in song. A song that is held close to your eye, that focuses, is able to really magnify. Oh, I see it there. I see the details. The Lord's salvation. See, this is what Mary and her cousin Elizabeth did when they gathered together here in this section of Scripture. Mary, receiving with faith the word of Gabriel, goes and meets up with Elizabeth. And as soon as she meets up with Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, she's six months pregnant, leaps with joy, anticipating his prophetic ministry and announcing Christ at the baby in Mary's womb, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. And so they together, in faith, magnify the Lord. These women provide a wonderful model for what God is saying to us today. And that is to encourage one another in the busyness of this season to magnify the Lord by placing a song on our lips 
like a magnifying glass really close to our eyes so that we focus on that which is truly important. We focus on Jesus and magnify him with our song. See, these two women encouraged one another to sing this new song to the Lord. Even as we gather together to encourage one another to sing a new song to the Lord, a song of praise to our God, magnifying him before all people like a giant neon sign. J.C. Ryle, in his commentary on this text, observes the following about our communion and our fellowship. We should observe from this passage the benefit of fellowship and communion among believers. We read about a visit made by the Virgin Mary to her cousin Elizabeth. We are told how the hearts of both of these holy women were encouraged. If this visit had not taken place, Elizabeth might not have been filled with the Holy Spirit as she was. And Mary might never have uttered her song of praise, which is now known throughout Christ's church. What's the application? The application is that we gather together to encourage one another to sing a new song to the Lord. That we gather together next Friday, next Saturday night, December 13th, at 4 p.m. at Young Circle uh, in Hollywood, and we begin to sing this song together with our lives, with our lips, and yes, with our song. That we gather together on every Sunday morning to encourage one another to sing a new song to the Lord for His mercies are new every morning. That we gather together in our community group, perhaps our Christmas parties that are coming up, or gather together Christmas Eve for sure, or even later on, Noche Buena, if you celebrate that with your family, or Christmas Day, and we're always encouraging one another to sing a new song to the Lord. We're like these bright neon signs just flashing. Mercy is here. God is faithful. He has fulfilled His word. And we're singing of this. We're magnifying this. Look at what Mary said in her song. Look at verses 46 and 47. We will see here that Mary magnifies the Lord, verse 46. Her soul magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. You see that? Uh, My soul magnifies the Lord, verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Here's the question. What are we magnifying this Christmas season? And in what or whom does our soul, our heart, rejoice? Something very clear to me in verse 47 is that Mary acknowledges her need for a Savior. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary doesn't say one word that indicating that she is in any way sinless or immaculate. That is not in Scripture. On the contrary, she uses the language of someone who has been taught by God's grace to feel her own sins and who, far from being able to save others, no, she requires a Savior. That's why she's magnifying the Lord. Firstly, the Savior is her Savior. Dear friend, as Mary acknowledged her need for a Savior, I pray you would acknowledge your need for a Savior. Whether you are a believer every day, you need his grace. Or if you're not, that today would be the day of salvation so that you might then magnify him. This is by and far and large the greatest gift of this Christmas season that he, God, has sent us a savior. Look at verse 48. You'll see the word for used in verse 48 twice and then again in verse 49. Mary now is giving the foundation for her magnificat, for her magnifying the Lord. Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. This statement, 
harkens back to the song of many pious, godly women in the Old Testament, most notably, most notably Hannah in Second and First Samuel two one through ten. So he's seen my humble estate, and then verse forty nine: For he who is mighty has done great things for me. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Listen, Mary is 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 singing. Old Testament truths because Mary's song is full of scripture. She's thinking of Hannah. She's perhaps thinking of Miriam and her song at the Exodus. She's thinking of of David and his Psalms when he magnifies the Lord for his salvation. When he says that from generation to generation, we will worship the Lord as Corey read in Psalm 103. Mary's song echoes this. It declares God's name as holy. Look at that. Verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She's magnifying the Lord. She's an example of a humble, faithful disciple. What's interesting is that God would use a teenage woman for such an example is extraordinary. Because in the first century culture, it often regulated women to a secondary status. But not God. Not God. Mary's heart was filled with scripture. And here's the application. May our hearts and may our minds be so saturated with scripture that they overflow with a new song to the Lord, magnifying him. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for us, that every day we would fill our minds and our hearts and our mouths with God's word, understanding it, studying it. May it elicit from us this song, this new song to the Lord, for he has given us a savior. May we humbly magnify our God as Mary humbly magnified her God for sending the Savior she so desperately needed. May we do the same. And with this new song of praise, may it be a new song of praise for his covenant mercy in Christ Jesus. Point two. Not only magnify the Lord with me, but sing of God's covenant mercy. In verses 50 to 55, we see the lyrics of Mary's song. A song that Mary, at this point, is singing at the top of her lungs. She begins her song with a profound lyric in verse 50. Look at it with me. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And then she concludes the song in verses 54 and 55 with an equally powerful lyric about mercy. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mercy is the content of Mary's new song. What Mary is doing is, Mary is saying, I'm going to sing of your mercy. This word mercy is very important in the Old Testament. It's the idea of God's steadfast love, his covenantal mercy. The Hebrew word for this is called hesed. Hesed. And it's a very important concept. God unilaterally, loyally sets his love on his people and God determines to do it. God chooses his people and this covenant love, this loyal love, this hesed, is what the Bible translates in English as steadfast love or mercy. In fact, Mary most likely is thinking of King David. King David, whose son she bears. King David, who in the Psalms wrote his own Magnificat. In fact, Corey read it earlier in Psalm 103. 
Look at it with me. I think Mary's Magnificat is simply, she's singing David's Magnificat in her own words. You're going to see the parallels here. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 5. David, bless the Lord, O my soul. Even as Mary is saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Remember what did Mary say at the end of verse 49? And holy is his name. His name is Jesus. Yahweh, God, come into the flesh. God, Messiah, Savior of the world. She's singing to him as David sang to him. David sang to him from afar. Yet about a thousand years before he would come, Mary sings to him still in the womb. We sing to him on the other side of that. He has come and his name is Jesus. And what has he done? Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Oh, friends, do not forget God's benefits this Christmas season. Do not let the hustle and bustle blind you. Get the magnifying lens out. Put it up to your eye and look carefully with your song. Forget not all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Mary is thinking that I need a Savior. This is the Savior. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love, chesed, right there, and mercy, who satisfies you with good, that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Mary was speaking and singing of God's mercy, this chesed, this steadfast mercy, this steadfast love, this loyal love. And she's saying that this mercy is for those that fear God. Look at verse 50 with me again. Put your finger on that. And his mercy is for whom? Those who fear God. Mary fears God. Mary believed God. When God comes and speaks his word to you, I'm speaking it to you right now. Do you fight it? Do you doubt it? Do you mock it? Is, are you indifferent to it? Or do you fear him? Do you say, as Mary said, may it be done to me as you will. I'm, I'm but your servant. God's mercy is for those who fear him. Lord, My prayer is that this church would be a church that fears you. As I was preparing this, I wrote it down. I pray, Lord, that we'd be a church that believes God and reverences God in our hearts. And I pray that we would sing of his mercy from generation to generation. And that is a prayer for you, dear young people. Anybody younger than me is a young person, okay? So don't be offended by that. Whether you're single, whether you're young married, whether you're married in your 30s or 40s, I pray that God would work in your heart a reverence for God, that you would sing of his mercy all the days of your lives. That from generation to generation, that's the song that's coming forth from our lips. His mercies are new every morning. We would sing of them every day. And then look how Mary concludes her song. Verses 54 and 55. She declares that God has remembered his covenant and in mercy. See, one, one of the lessons we learn from these infancy uh, um, narratives in Luke is that God fulfills his promises to Israel. God through Gabriel is saying, I'm going to send that Messiah that I promised you. I am going to send that savior that I promised you. Mercy on those who fear him. But at the same time, God also sends judgment on those who oppose him. There's the choice, friend. See, starting in verse 51, Mary magnifies the details of God's power and authority to bring down his opponents and God's mercy to lift up those who fear him. The Bible says that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. But the Bible also says that he opposes the proud. 
They're both true of God. We must embrace both of those truths today. Five times Mary uses the phrase, and I want you to find them with me from verse 51 to 54. Five times she uses the phrase, he has. Do you see that? Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. Verse 51b, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. Verse 52a, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Verse 53a, he has filled the hungry with good things. And verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And what what Mary is doing is she's saying, this is what God does. God judges his opponents by the power of his right arm. And God blesses his people through his mercy. How does he judge his opponents? Well, by the power of his right arm. The finger of God is mentioned in Scripture. The hand of God is mentioned in Scripture. But when the right arm of God is mentioned, that's when we're talking devastating curses on Egypt. In fact, that, that comes from that picture of the Exodus. I'm delivering my people by my powerful right arm. And that's what he does to his opponents. He scatters the proud in 51b. Those who would reject God, those who would oppose God's word, oh, may that not be you this morning. He brings down the mighty from their thrones in verse 52. God rules the nations. I read that China became the largest nation in the world today. Big deal. God can bring China down like that. And God can bring America down like that. And God can raise up any nation he wants like that. The nations are but a drop in the bucket to God. The the king's hand, the heart is in God's hand. This is the God who came as a child in the womb of a poor teenager from Nazareth, a loser city in Israel. This is our God. Because Verse 52b, he exalts those of humble estate. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. He lifts up the humble. He blesses his people, verses 52b through 54. He fills the hungry with good things while sending away the rich empty. Oh, when I go to the malls, I'm as tempted as you are. I'm as tempted as you are. I was really tempted this morning. I mean, a happening Porsche Carrera went right, flew right by me and beat me to the, co- the Cuban coffee stand at, at Casavana, okay? Convertible. Happening. I'm like, wow. When I go to certain malls, I just walk around and say, whew, I'm just breathing in the opulence. <laughs> but the Bible says that those who approach God that way, it's not wrong to have money, particularly when you use that money to bless God and his kingdom. And some of you have money and should have it, and God wants to give you more of it so you can give it away. But it's wrong to live for that. And if that's my heart, then this text says, tells me God will send me away empty. But if I come hungry, if I come humble, if I come like Mary and say, oh God, I so need you, he will fill me. He will fill my soul. He will fill my gut. He will give me a satisfaction far greater than me driving that Porsche Carrera late at night on I-75 Alligator Alley with no cops around as fast as it'll go. Not that I would ever want to do that. But I did live in Germany for four years, and there is no speed limit on the Autobahn. Exhilarating. Finally, but more exhilarating is this last section. But finally, here's the deal. Here's the exhilarating part. He has helped, verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel. And we are the Israel of God. All God's people today are his covenant people. That's what it means there. He's helped his people in remembrance of his what? His mercy. His chesed that was set upon me, not because of anything I have done, will do, or am doing now. Quite the opposite. While I was yet his enemy, he loved me and redeemed me. 
He says he's going to fulfill. Mary sings he's going to fulfill what he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. God's actions reflect his mercy. He's committed. He's committed himself freely of his own will to be loyally loving to his people. That's us. And Christ is the one who fulfills this promise forever and ever and ever. What do we learn? What causes us to sing this Christmas in spite of anything that we're facing? And I've faced a lot of really, really ugly things this week. Most of them illness. I've been in a lot of hospitals and emergency rooms. I've, I've sat with people whose lungs are, 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 are rattling with fluid because they have pneumonia, whose bodies are racked with, with cirrhosis of the liver and kidneys that are failing, who are intubated and their faces are swollen because of cancer. And I've sung with them and I've, I've spoken Psalm 23 because here's the truth. In the midst of all that, the glory of God is in Christ. And he saved us and he will save us. God keeps his word. That's what Mary's singing of. God remembers his covenant of mercy. That's what Mary is singing God is loyal to the people that he has on his own account freely set his love upon. Those people, Jew and Gentile. He's given the promised Messiah to the Jews. He's given the Savior of the world that he promised to bless through the Jews. Mary sang of God's covenant mercy in Christ. For she understood that he is the one who would fulfill God's word to bless both Israel and the nations through him. We know this now. We know it now because we're on this side of the cross. We know Christ. We know Christ. And listen, unbeliever, listen carefully. This is the gospel. We know that Christ was incarnate, God in the flesh. Christ lived a perfect life that we could never live. Christ died a sacrificial death on the cross for your sin and mine to take the wrath of God that we so richly deserve. Christ rose from the dead gloriously. And Christ ascended into heaven. We know that now. And we are to provide a verbal witness of that. Every day, we're to sing a new song to the Lord, fueled by the faithfulness and mercy of God. We sing a new song to the Lord, a song of praise for His merciful acts, for us, His people. We sing a new one because every day His mercies are new. Here's the appeal. God is here. Here's His exhortation. Here's His command. Here's His appeal. He's so kind to us, church. He he kneels down. And he speaks baby talk to us. He doesn't have to, but he does. Like a father appealing to his child. This is his appeal. Magnify the Lord with a new song. Magnify the Lord with a new song. Magnify me with a new song. This morning, as we sing this new song to the Lord, we sing of his covenant faithfulness. We magnify the Lord by singing strongly of these fresh mercies. But I must admit something to you, church. I must admit something. That quite often, the bright neon sign of my life has a couple of light bulbs that go out. Have you ever seen a neon sign with a couple of key light bulbs that have gone out at night? It could be very unfortunate. I could end up communicating something I don't mean to communicate because my bulbs have gone out. The brightness has gone out. I've forgotten. I haven't been hanging around with God's people. I haven't been encouraging myself with one another. I haven't been in God's word enough. And all of a sudden, a couple of bulbs go out. And suddenly, instead of announcing self-storage, I announce elf-storage. Now, that may be cute and funny at Christmas season. But any other time of the year, 
they want to communicate that, no, you don't store your elves here. Actually, you can store all of your stuff here. It's self-storage. Or, however much I love this place, and I do because Burlington Coat Factory provides coats for the homeless these days, but if one of the bulbs goes out at a key place, instead of announcing Burlington Coat Factory, I instead announce Burlington Cat Factory. Now, some of you love cats, and you would like that. But you would be sorely disappointed if you pulled in, got out, and said, where are the cats? And they said, what cats? Well, you're announcing cats outside. Oh, no, no. It's coats. The bulb went out. So our lives can announce something we don't intend to announce. And finally, if I've got a restaurant, this poor little restaurant we're going to see in just a moment, a little neighborhood restaurant, and what they want to tell the neighbors is, listen, come here for a nice, tasty buffet. But instead, they announce a nasty buffet. Now, that may be true more than they would want to admit, but that's not what they intend to announce. So here's the question for us, in all seriousness. What is the neon sign of our lives announcing to those who see it? Are there some bulbs that have gone out? If we could go back to the main point, are we magnifying the Lord in with a new song? Is that what we're saying? Or have some of the bulbs gone out? And it's kind of just a, either a, a very unfortunate message like Nasty Buffet or just an incomprehensible one. You, know, you just you go, what is that saying? There's a couple of bulbs that are out there. And so what God is saying to us this morning is let's, let's come to him now. Let us recharge those bulbs. Let us recharge our heart, our passion. Let us, let us say, Lord, I want to look at you. I want to look at you carefully. I want to sing this song. I want to sing your word. I want to investigate and magnify your goodness, your mercies, your chesed, your steadfast love. And I want to sing it every day of my life. Whether I'm rich or I'm poor. Whether I'm in good health or in bad health. Whether everybody loves me or I feel like everybody's abandoning me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change God. And oftentimes when I feel the abandonment or the poverty or the sickness or the problems or the trials, that is the moment when I start singing and I'm like David when he's running from Saul and he's pretending like he's a crazy man in Psalm 34 before a king named Abimelech. He says, magnify, I, I praise the Lord. And buddy, That neon sign is powerful. And it points. Grace is here. It is free. God is here in this humble, broken vessel. Everybody sees our brokenness. That's not what I want to magnify. I want to magnify the Lord. Let's pray that God would do that. Worship team, please join me. That God would fill our mouths with the new song to the Lord. Let's pray. Let's be as still as we can during this time of ministry to God. Father, I pray that you would give us, Lord, a new song. A song not birthed of some kind of rah-rah. We've got to gin it up this morning. We've got to get it going this morning. We've got to psych ourselves up to praise God. No. No, a song that isn't born out of some sentimentalism. Though sentiment is good, and I I love this season, Lord. But it's not born of just some tradition. It's a new song born this morning of the fresh mercies that I experienced. As Corey mentioned, that I would experience joy. Not just think about it or talk about it. You are Emmanuel. You are with us. And it elicits from us a new song to the Lord. Lord, give us that song 
Father, give us that song, I pray, with all of my heart. Lord, I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.